we're so glad that uh, you uh, went through the first, the second, and this is the third, the, the third, third podcast of the series. It is the third podcast, and I guess actually we're going to get out of chapter one. I feel like we've been in chapter one of for like a couple of weeks now with mm -hmm. just the sermons and the Bible studies. Yeah. Uh, so we're wrapping up. Today we're going to be covering verses 24, beginning in chapter one, verses 24, and we're going to be ending in chapter two, verse five. 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 Yeah, and by now, uh, all those who have participated in the sermons and the Bible study should have everything covered from chapter one. Uh, verse 1 to chapter 1, verse 23, and then, so we're covering now, you know, the rest of it, which you just said. So, we're covering verse by verse in, in different aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, and we will, we, we're holding on, on verses, um, uh, verses 1, chapter 20, chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, because those will be the Easter. Easter message. series, Easter yeah. message, yes. So we, we will cover those during the Easter message. So just some uh, housekeeping there, catching up some things uh, so you understand what's going on. But yeah, so we are one chapter 1, verses 24. Paul is he's, he's saying he rejoices in his suffering. Who rejoices in suffering? You know, like <laughs> that's a good one, uh, Danny. We are so used to... Um, we're so used to, like, having our... Our desires being met, right? Like this, this whole idea you deserve this is is in Christianity everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But it's in life everywhere. Yeah. Every time, every time you see a, a outdoor, right? A is that a bad word? Outdoor is like a, no, no, no. I was trying to bit like trying a, to open my water here. Okay, yeah, quiet. like a, or a commercial or radio. Um, all that they're trying to tell us is that you deserve these, you deserve these, uh, you know, you, you deserve these. And we bring that to Christianity. And then we, we come to Christ and we say, you know what? We deserve few things. Mm -hmm. We deserve few things. Uh, when that's when, not, in essence, we deserve nothing. No. And it's, so what the world's trying to teach us is quite contrary to the words of Jesus, who called his followers to him on the message that's like, Follow me, not because you deserve these or that. The message is not that. Uh, follow me to pay the price. And you better count the cost of that. So it's not a deserving thing, right? It's more of a like, you come to Jesus and you start following him. Actually, there's a price to pay. There is, it's costly. It's not like a deserving thing. It's a costly thing. And... Um, and so the world has tried to tell us that we deserve, we're entitled to a lot of things. And then you come to Jesus like, you know what? We're not entitled to anything here. Uh, we get the opportunity to serve God. And yeah. for that, there is a cost. I think that's the biggest thing, right? What you're hitting on is really about the mindset. Mm. Like we've been programmed in a way to feel like we deserve every and any and everything. But yeah. when when you when we come to when we come to what the Bible teaches, as you've already illustrated, it seems counter to the culture. It's about shifting your mindset to recognizing that, hey, when we suffer, when we go through things, things aren't going to be our way all the time. Sure. But and that's what Paul is doing. Here. Paul is continuing his writing, and as Paul always writes, he he shares what's happening in, with him as well, because I'm sure he's kind of trying to draw with. What they're going through as well. So he says in this beginning, beginning of chapter 12, verse 24 here, he says, I rejoice in my suffering. And he says, for your sake. And um, he says, it, and it's, it's really important because what he's suffering for is, is for the gospel. Yeah. And he's saying that well, you too must also share in the suffering mm -hmm. in a sense. He yeah. tells them whatever trial he that he's enduring, meaning him personally, Paul, he's enduring it for the church. Uh, that's true, and, and I love that. And and I, when I read verses like these, I usually ask the question: What kind of afflictions am I willing to go for the gospel, to suffer for the gospel? I'm saying, like, you mean like I, there's a, up to a point where you'll go, but you won't cross that uh, line. I, that, that, that's a, exactly. <laughs> like we all, how, how much, how much are we willing to suffer for the gospel? Right? Jesus suffer completely for yeah. our sake. Paul. Dude, Paul in 2 Corinthians, man, he, he shares there, uh, I think it's chapter 1 or 2, 
don't remember exactly. I can even open here to, to bring this there. He talks about all the kind of stuff that he went through. Um, and he doesn't do it to make a to, to, to complain in the sense like, oh, look at what I'm going through. But he does it to make a point is that in that the suffering that in, that he's facing, what he's going through in his life, he he's accepted it with joy. Yeah. And so um, he just goes and talks about, how, you know, um, Paul in Second Corinthians, dude, he... He's just talking about like, you know, we put no obstacles to anyone to follow Christ. But uh, we have suffered a lot. And he says like, by great endurance, affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleeplessness, night, sleeplessness, night hunger. Uh, he And then he goes, just talks about all these things, dying, punished, killed, sorrowful, like... He goes through all these things in order to tell, like, people, I have suffered a lot for the gospel. And I think so many times we, we go back to what you're saying. And already. he says that from a humility. From a, yes, from a humility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not a, a look how much I have gone. Yeah. He even says, I wish I had not, not paraphrasing him, not gone through all of this, but yeah. um, we did. So and he's not saying that Jesus didn't suffer enough to pay for sin, so now we have to suffer. Not at all. Jesus suffered it all for on our, on our benefit. Yeah, he said Jesus says uh, the word telastelai or something. The Greek word it is finished, right? Yeah. Which is the problem of this verse? This verse is one of those most debated verse in the Bible. I don't know if you through your studies you learned that verse verse twenty four when Paul says, "In my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church." So. You know, did Jesus not complete his whole work in the body, uh, in his body, in the cross of Calvary? Yes, he did. Uh, the word that he uses there uh, is it is finished, right? We we see just in the, in the in the um, in the crossing, it is finished. His his work is finished. It is the word telestai, uh, which means in the Greek paid in full. So Jesus paid in full. So what is so what Paul so. Jesus' sacrifice for our salvation is already done. This is not what Paul is trying to get into. It. What he's trying to get into here is that the work of Christ continues with the church, with us, with him. So he's continued to spread the gospel, continue to uh, share the gospel with those around him, which he later on tells is this mystery uh, that Gentiles mm. get to participate uh, on the plan of salvation of God, which is very important. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think you lean on the point that you know the fact that you mentioned with what Jesus has said. I mean, it's complete. The work of redemption in itself mm -hmm. was mission accomplished. Yes, there was nothing left to do. Right, yeah. Paul, because he's a minister, and not only a minister, an apostle. Mm -hmm. Right, we talk about what it meant to be an apostle when we uh, talked about the first one. For sure, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. first and sermon. First, yeah, he he had to he had to bear a greater suffering because of this, mm -hmm. and he was in prison. He was seen as a leader of the church at the time, mm -hmm. early church, and he rejoices in the fact that he had to suffer. Um, but, but his ministry of suffering, he clarifies that his ministry is so that they will see the suffering is being brought about by the ministry and not the other way around. Um, he reminds him of this special role among the apostles as the one who preached the gospel to the Gentiles. And Paul was 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 the apostle to the Gentiles. Yes. Right? And that's the mystery here that he's kind of saying. He says, they too share in the fullness of Christ. Yes. Well, and so, well, that's a, um, so let me go back on verse 23, which we are not covering here, but I think it is important because yeah, of what yeah. you just said. Um, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifted from the hope, of the gospel that you heard, which he talks about what that hope is laid up for us in heaven. And that hope is the fact that we get to be reconciled with God. We, we talk about, about that at Easter. Uh, which has been, this is the part, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister to. But that statement, what he's saying there is that, if you think that Jesus Christ only came for some, you are mistaken. Yeah. He didn't only came for some, for some. He came for all creation. The word creation that is very, very important. And uh for for everybody to pay pay very good attention. So 
um, from one of the... There's no exclusivity, is what you're saying. No exclusivity. Like, one of the theologians that I read said that the plain meaning of Paul's words here challenges the whole of those who limit God's salvations to only a few. The purpose of, of Paul's Christology, uh, Christological statement, which means the, the, high, the highlighting the divinity of Jesus, Paul's Christological statement thus far in the letter is to extend Christ's lordship to include everyone and everything. The missionary implication is that everyone outside of Christ must be confronted with this very truth, that even the lost live under Christ's cosmic lordship, and by faith can also be beneficiaries of God's grace in Him. He's not a, he is not an exclusive reign. It intends to reconcile of every creature to God, to rescue all from darkness, and to fulfill in each person the Creator's good and perfect intentions. So, Paul is in verse 23 saying, salvation is for all creation. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to have faith in Jesus Christ to be able to be a beneficiary of the salvation. But it was for all creation, which includes what you're talking about, Gentiles. Yeah. yeah. And that's the mystery I, I, he's talking about in here, right? Mm-hmm. In, that, in verses 20, I believe it's 28, we pick up with the mis- 26. 20, yeah, yeah, 26 <clears throat> and 27, which he says, The mystery hidden for all ages and generations, but now revealed to, the, to his saints, yeah. is that God, from, from, from the beginning, has always intended for everyone to be saved. Not yeah. only And that Israel. would have been the mystery for Israel. Like, what's, what, what is Well, this? Israel thought they were special people, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they forgot that what the covenant with Abraham was, I'll bless you so that you do what? Bless others. So that was the whole point. It was The whole point was that Israel would live in a way that would invite people in, would be in, that people would be like a draw to it to become part of the family of God through Israel. But that was not what Israel. That's not how they they took the covenant. The covenant from Abraham. They took more. I'm special, and you're not. So <laughs> I'm gonna live this special life. And well, you're not that special. And Paul's like, well, that's not what God was doing from the beginning. He was doing something completely different. Yeah. But there is a couple of words that I think is important. That I think really clarifies clarifies the ministry of Paul, and also what he was trying to do in verse twenty five. Which he says, which I became a minister. That word minister there, we also we always talked about minister as if it was a position. That word minister is the word servant. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little bit last week, the word dolos, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. According to the stewardship, the word stewardship there, it is an administration of our household. Paul is a, he feels like he's a minister of the household of God. So he's like, you yeah. know, this is part of like, this is God's house, and, and I have been giving this servanthood to God's house here. So that is important uh, to understand. So he has this stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. So Paul said, like, within the family of God, my, my, my servant duty is to make sure that people understand the word of God. And the, the fully known, I love that known word in Greek. It is to be made satisfied, to be to make to be made a full. It is like to satisfy God's word by nothing, sure, nothing's lacking. Everything no, yeah, is to make sure people knows what I'm, we're talking about. I, I just love that. He's like in the house of God, my job is to make sure that people get the the word of God fully satisfied, meaning that they know the whole thing in and out. And I love that. And I think we, we kind of partake on that same calling in a sense that and we just want to make sure that God's people get to hear all uh, everything that there is to know about God's word, uh, to make known uh, the word of God fully to everyone. Um, but I think it's also a personal call of us to continue to study God's word, continue to devote to it, so that we would be able to uh, make it fully known God's word. So, um, and then in verse 26 says, the mystery hidden for all ages, for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Uh, and there he's talking about what we were talking about, that the Gentiles uh, is now part of God's plan, 
But basically, the mystery it is Christ. It is Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory that he goes on to talk about here. Yeah, and I think part of the mystery, which we kind of touched a little bit on already, was the that um, the Gentiles would be, would be included into that too as well. And Christ would be made fully known to them as well. He talked about the riches of Christ in them. And Paul is very strate- strategically here because of the word mystery, right? The Greek <laughs> loved that word mystery. Like if you could reveal a mystery, like you have these special powers. He was he was smart in that way, right? Then mm-hmm. he like went in and said, "Hey, you guys have all these gods, and you got this one god that you just in case you forgot about him, he's here." And he used that against used that to to kind of tie it to them, right? Like, yeah, uh, and and he uses words that is that is uh, captivating for the to his audience. And so he's using the word mystery here. And, and the Greek philosophers were all about mysteries, hidden things here, hidden things there. And Paul was like, you know what? In Christ, everything is revealed. So now you know the full story. Uh, and then, so, uh, verse 27 is important. To, the, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, and he defined what the mystery is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. And that statement, the hope of glory, is a very... Uh, it's powerful. Big yeah. statement, right? You know, I think uh, for the longest while, which we, uh, we we mentioned already, was that this mystery of that Christ was, like, you know, the Redeemer would only come for Israel. Paul is saying, hey, that was hidden in the verses before. And he says, the Gentiles also share in this richness. They share in this glory, and that was the mystery. And it's, it's Christ is also in them as he is in you. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, a lot of times we, we, we struggle with that sometimes today, looking at people's life and trying to, to don't want to judge people, but looking at other people. But it's the same God that lives in you. It's the same God that lives in them. The difference is what God is doing, right? Why do we envy the work of God in the life of someone else and doesn't appreciate the work of God in the life on our lives, on what God is doing in our lives. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest uh, problems that I see in the church. Uh, God is working in my life, in your life. And what God is trying to accomplish in my life is definitely different than what God is accomplishing in your life. But that doesn't mean one is better than the other. That does mean that God has a plan for both of us and we are no, we are not, uh, we're not robots that God has the same gesture for everybody it's like no god has a specific plans for your life for my life and both of them complement each other it doesn't take away from 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 what god is doing and i think people in the church look at what god is doing in life of someone else and and become envy over that and they lose the point uh instead of celebrating with people about what god is doing in their lives they're actually criticizing pointing fingers and um just trying to insert their own likes and, and want is in the life of someone else. And I don't know, I just don't think we're called to do that. I mean, I think the one thing is like, we, we talked about this fully known, right? I think of this idea of completeness. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to present each person, regardless of where you're from, nation, tongue, tribe, complete, but complete in Christ. Yes. And and, and that's what that's what Paul Paul is really talking about. His This is... This is the this is the this is the glory, right? This is the hope of glory is that we, you and I, were all complete in the person of Christ. Yeah, and that and that and that hope of glory refers to the belief among us followers of Jesus that of our ultimate destiny, right? Which is to share in the glory, uh, in the glory of God, which is the eternal life in heaven. It is that confident expectation that those who have put their faith in Jesus will be with Him forever. In, in heaven, in paradise, or, or, or whatever, you know, some might prefer to call it. Uh, for believers, the hope of, of glory is not just a vague a wish or, or an inspiration, or aspiration, but a certain hope based on the promises of God to us. It is the source of our comfort, it's the source of our encouragement, especially during difficult times and hardship, knowing that well, that's the purpose that, of our suffering, right? Yeah, because that our present suffering is temporary. That yeah. there is better future waiting for for us. And I think 
So when we lose track of uh, and uh, and what God is doing, like God is working in our lives, but He's working differently. But the destinations are all the same. We're all are going to be face to face with the one who loves us, who made us, who died for us. That that's sharing the glory of God. So I don't know if it is about comparing the journey, but no. really celebrating the final destination and the fact that God is working in us and through us for that final destination. So that's the, the hope of glory there for me. And, and then on verse 28 it says, Him, we proclaim Him, meaning Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ, which I think is what you were talking about. Uh, yeah. I think His purpose is that, you know, He wants to bring everyone to the point of salvation and that final reward, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what... He strives for. This is what he knows that his work and his efforts are all about. They're all in one accord that Paul's purpose in his ministry is to bring every person to the point of salvation. Mm -hmm. That final reward, which is Christ. And this is what he strives for. This is what he knows. This is what he knows that his work and all his effort is in, in accord with the power and the will of God within him. And whatever success he has, he attributes it to God. Mm-hmm. He attributes it to the Lord. Yeah. There's an unspoken challenge to the Colossians here, though, that, that we need to examine. And it's the work and the motives of false teachers within their midst. Sure, yeah. And that's what he's trying to, to get into here, right? Like, he's trying to combat these false teachings that is coming in and say, we have this special knowledge, you don't have this special knowledge. And he's like, well, all special knowledge is found in Jesus. So, He is the hope of glory. So, whatever you're going to get from the special knowledge, you get in Jesus. And then, uh, I like why he's, the word he proclaimed, mm-hmm. which is to speak it out loud, warn. It, it is not just, uh, it, it, is, it is to speak, but with a... Um, um, you think an authority? Or? Uh, it's more, well, I mean, authority for sure. Uh, but there is more this idea of like um, admonishing, of like calling someone's attention, exhort that person to put them in their place as into like snap them out of it and say, listen, you got to pay very good attention here. And then the word teaching, uh, which um, well, I think there's more of a didactic kind of thing. You say admonish, right? You say proclaiming shows the importance of the role surrounding the good news of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this way, he's announcing, like, or like for, for you and I, it's like, when I think of proclaim, we're announcing it to, like, from the rooftops, from the, from, from the streets. Like, we must have boldness to do this. We must, mm-hmm. we, we must not be afraid of, of people looking at us or ignoring us, but we proclaim this good news. And the word admonish shows us that we also have to take correction and rebuke seriously. I think you were look you were talking about the word admonish. Yeah, that is the word. But like for, for what I was trying to say earlier, which you kind of you just reminded me, there is a, a warning that admonishing comes with comes with uh, like consequences. Warning comes with consequences, right? So like uh, you probably remember back home when mom was at the house and she warned you if you burn the rice. You, you better not burn the rice, boy. I'm warning you. Because uh, you knew that if you did burn the rice, something else was coming. So warning has this consequence, accountability consequence to it. And then teaching has this idea of instruction, of building your mind up and your heart up, of, of maturing you and giving you uh, information that will be necessary for you to be able to do what wisdoms call us to do. Because wisdom is this ability, is this art of getting your knowledge and then applying it is is practical thing. Yeah, we talked wisdom about wisdom is a practical thing. I think sometimes we think of wisdom as this like like it's a special up, like, power, like puffed up. Like yeah. I don't know. It's about it's it's not about what you know. It's how how you apply what you know, right? That's exactly what wisdom <laughs> is. Wisdom is application of the knowledge you got, not like this. Uh, superpowers you get and then now you like special for some other reason which you call it puffed up yeah well i like the word teaching you talked about the word teaching and it's teaching is, is a is a bit deeper than both of the previous words because there will be times when 
we need to explain what God's word means mm-hmm. and how it ought to apply in our lives. And that's where the wisdom part comes in. Oh, yeah. Just because we know what God's word says, are we truly applying it to our lives and living it out? That's the difference. And that's where the warning comes from, too. Because if not, then we're not presenting ourselves mature in Christ. In fact, we're still suckling. You know, we're, we're still nursing. We're still infants. We need to continue to grow. And, and that's what Paul is, is, is reminding them here. Like The reason why... There's false teachers. False teachers do what they do for what? For profit, for power, Shit, yeah. right? Um, for affluence. For affluence, influence. yeah. For, for the positions they hold. But when, 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 when Bible, when the apostles, when teachers, when preachers and teachers of the God's word who teach it according to the work of the word of God, they do it in contrary to that. They mm-hmm. do it in, to the revelation of Christ. Yes. Not the revelation of who I am Self, or what yeah. I can do. Yeah. It's the revelation of Christ. And and Paul Paul is, is cautioning this here. And, and, and I think that attitude of Paul is important too when you talk about there. And the attitude that is important for you to have, even as a followers of Jesus today, as us as we teach and preach God's word, who's, who are we trying to bring attention to? If it's for ourselves, then you better watch out. You're going to be in trouble. God will eventually... Um, held you accountable to that. If it is to always point people to Christ, uh, well, that's what it's supposed to be. And I think so many people, though, so many pastors out there has lost the fear of God in the sense that, you know, they make the sermon, they make the church about themselves and not about Jesus himself. And we are trying to change that. Well, we're trying not to have that kind of culture at the Lower Action Church, for sure. Because of this warning here, because of what Paul is saying, is that, you know, uh, when you're teaching, you're pointing people to to Christ, and 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 that's what we ought to do. And then he says we do the proclaiming, the warning, and the teaching, so that people be mature mm-hmm. in Christ. Um, that word mature there has this idea of spiritual maturity, of spiritual growth, of spiritual perfect perfection. Kind of highlights what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 48, be perfect because I am perfect. So that's perfection there. It is not like an action, like, you know, living a perfect life. But it's this progression towards God where you have this spiritual maturity. Maturity is God's desire for mankind. That's why we are born as a baby and then we grow old because we're too mature. Mm -hmm. Right? So... Uh, there is a progression there. So maturity is this progression towards Jesus. And that's what Jesus was also saying uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 48. Um, and, and, uh, and, and to present everyone mature. And I think there's a lot of responsibility to leaders in the church. And there's a lot of responsibility for us as followers of Jesus who has people who are less mature than us in our Christian faith. So sometimes we just need to understand that we are farther along than other people and our responsibility is to walk beside those who are not as far as we are in Jesus and to bring them along. This is not only for pastors. This is not only for teachers in the church. This is for every believers. We ought to recognize that there are people besides us who are just not quite far along the journey that we are, but we ought to bring them along. Jesus was talking about how where people have knowledge and they lord over the people. Yes, yeah. that's not that's that's not the purpose. That's not. It's a place of humility that we get to share in this gospel, sharing mm-hmm. the good news. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a couple lessons from this section here is like false teachers are always going to be the same. They always try to do the same thing, no matter when and where. Mm-hmm. The culture change, times change, but false teachers and the tactics don't change because where do false teachers come from? It's 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 from the it's from the enemy. The enemy. Who, who is the liar? The devil is the liar, right? Jesus, yeah. Jesus himself in John eight says to the Pharisees, "Your father is the liar." Who is, and then he's talking <laughs> about the devil, right? Yeah, the devil is a liar, and he lies, and that's his whole point: to kill, steal, he, and destroy. He's deceiving people. Yeah, he wants to. Dis- the, the whole idea of false teachers is to displace Jesus as the Messiah and as mm-hmm. Lord, and to pervert doctrine. Sure. Meaning they want to add a change to what the gospel says. Yeah. But we read God's word here. There's nothing There's nothing to be added, nothing to be taken away. Amen. Right? It's all here for us. And that's what Paul is saying. Like, listen, that's where the maturity comes in, what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay for you to start, like you said, we start as an infant, but you have to be growing. Sure. Everyone yeah. listening today, how has your walk yeah. grown since you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior?
with who are expected to grow. If we don't grow, this this you go you're gonna be taken to the doctors like, well, doctor, there's something wrong with my kid here. He's 15 years old and he's still a baby. It's like growth is part of the process that God had envisioned for His creation. Not only intellectual growth, emotional growth, uh, physical growth, but most importantly, spiritual growth. God had, wants every area of our lives to mature. We ought to be mature in Jesus Christ. And then verse 29 for me, though, is a very interesting verse. It says, For these I toil, is struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The work, not, the, the work of preaching the gospel it is hard work. <laughs> yep. Paul is like, I toil. Dude, that word toil is, is, it is, it is such a, it's such a hard work. Uh, it's a hard work. It means I fatigue, I labor, I'm worn out. Like, that's what that word means, to be worn out. And Paul's like, I worn myself out to preach the mystery, to preach the gospel, to present people mature. It's hard work. The word struggling here, I, I, I wish the, 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 the English translation would, uh, uh, would do a little better job of translating that word throughout the New Testament. That word is the word where we get the, the, the word agony. Okay. That's what he's saying. The Greek word is agnomosai, which means agony. So you have like uh, straight up fight. A struggle fight is a fight of struggle. You're fighting. It's the same word that we use to to fight temptation, to fight, uh, to persevere in your faith, and it's like that same word. It's like it's it's kind of agony. Like you work hard against it. Um, well, yeah, temptation is hard. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean the 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 battle between the between the ears, right? The battle between just that goes on in the mind to tell you like. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I not do this? Should I should I do this? I mean, I know that's more of like on a decision decision basis, but think of that from a spiritual aspect. When you have that battle, like you're right, Paul is saying he's toils, he's struggling, and he says with not some of his energy, all his energy. Yeah, <clears throat> that he's powerful <clears throat> works within me, like meaning that God is is the struggle. God is helping. The Holy Spirit is fighting with you. Yeah. So you have to be engaged. You have to be, uh, and in order for the Holy Spirit to, to fully activate, like here's the Holy Spirit activates. I like that. Yeah, I <laughs> in, order, like that. in order for the Holy Spirit to fully activate, you have to be fully invested, fully fighting as well, not part of you. Mm -hmm. You know, and and when there's a push and pull, right? Yeah. It's called conviction. Right? Yeah. We 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 all feel convicted about things sometimes, and when when that's happening, it's because we're probably not like Paul here. No. We're not toiling. We're not struggling with all our energy, but we're like, eh, maybe later. <laughs> well, but the, so these are so this word is the same word that Paul uses in Second Timothy chapter two, uh, verse seven. That we all have. I have fought the good fight and I have finished <laughs> the race. I have kept the faith. Hence, therefore, is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which. Uh, with the Lord, the righteous judge, who warned me on that day, uh, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So, like, that's the same word, agony. Like, I have fought hard here, and it's more than just me fighting. It is God empowering me to fight, activating, the Holy Spirit activating that, right? It is the same word that is used in First Timothy, verse 12 of chapter 6. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So, so this, is, this word is important. This word is very important because it reminds us that there, is, there must be a wrestling, a fight, an agony within us to make sure that the gospel is preached, to make sure that temptation is won, to make sure that faith, that we hold on to the faith that we have. It is not. It is hard work. It's not easy work. Most people think that when you can become a follower of Jesus Christ, it is like walking down the park. It's easy. It's just like walking down and nothing. No, it's not. It is a struggle. And Paul is on the on the context here. Paul is saying 
He's struggling from these people. He's toiling for these people, making sure that they they become mature and understanding the mystery of Christ, which is Christ crucified for everyone, not only for Phil, for everyone. And he can only toil and struggle because the Holy Spirit is activated inside of him, enabling him uh, powerfully, working in him to make sure that these people get to become mature. Yeah, and then uh, that word again, struggle, he, he picks up on that again in the second, in chapter 2, in verses 1, where mm-hmm. he says, But I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, who for all who have not seen me face to face. And he says that their hearts be encouraged, being knit together to love, to reach to the, all the riches of a full assurance of the understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's talk a little bit about this verse now, right? As we kind of get to the back half of this podcast here, yeah, the mm-hmm. second half of this. So what was going on? So Paul's talking about this, this bat, the, the struggle that he's having for them. We just talked about how it's, it's, he's toiling. He's talking about at Laodicea. They haven't seen him face to face, but Paul is encouraging them that even though he's not on the battlefront, on the front lines, he's on the front lines of the spiritual battle. Oh, for sure, yes. Right? And I think um, he recognized that the battle for soul, for the souls of individuals, was a spiritual one. And not being physically in front of the Colossae, he wanted them to know that he was there spiritually. Ephesians 6.12, he talks about how do we fight in spiritual, right? He talks about the armor of God. Mm-hmm. And he continued that how he's fighting this battle for them through prayer. Firstly, mm-hmm. he's praying. But also through sending people, sending the letters. That's what this letter is about. It's about encouraging them so that way they don't fall in the battle, but they stand tall. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and I think one of the... You know, how many of us have fought battles for other people through prayer? So we don't... Rem- you know, we can't join on what God is doing in someone else's life and help them again. Uh, instead against temptation or different yeah. things or different difficult moments in their life through suffering through prayer, right? Like you don't have to be present with someone, but you can fight the battles with them through what? Prayer. Through prayer. And prayer encourages the hearts. That's why I like what Paul says here. He says that he, he that their hearts may be encouraged. You know, today you and I as believers, we, we, if we have struggle in our walk or we have struggle, mm-hmm. you know, we have the benefit of people who've come before us. Oh, yes. What well, these early church and these early Christians, they don't have the first generation. They're, they are they the are first the, generation mm-hmm. Christians. Mm-hmm. So they did not have someone growing up in a Christian family. They didn't have anyone showing them how they got through that battle. They were the pioneers. They were the trailblazers in the communities and the places where they were going mm-hmm. because they had never been Christians before. Yep. And, um, so can you imagine the pressure powerful. Powerful. that would have been that would, they would have been facing? We talk about persecution today. No, yeah, not even close. <laughs> it's not even close, right? Yeah, but not even close. Like they would have had pressure mounted on them to abandon their faith from every direction. Like what you're dealing with is crazy, uh, because what we already talked about this letter is about the intellectuals and you know the and simplicity the in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? That yes. was, you know. So you have. The government, family, friends, even spouses come. To, I, I can just imagine them because there were many believers at the time, they would have felt this word a lot of people feel today, which they feel isolated. Oh, yes. They feel alone. Yes. Feel like no one's there with them, that mm. they're alone in this situation. Mm. But Paul is talking here, he's writing to them to encourage them in the faith mm. so that they're not alone, mm. that they do have people with them. Mm. And so many times we that's what prayer does, right? And we talk started yes. talking about this actual yes. prayer is that it encourages their hearts. And Paul knew how important so I love that, Danny. Thank you for saying that. Because he says on verse two that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together. Mm-hmm. They reach this full assurance of understanding. So like Paul's like, listen, we, we doing this because we are together. Rally this. around each other. Yes. Come come together. Yes. This is not a time to be isolated. This that, is a time to be together yes we need support we need encouragement mm-hmm. assurance that comes from everybody of the same mind and the same and in 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 second in second corinthians he says in verse 11 chapter 1 verse 11 says you must uh chapter 1 verse 11 says you also must help us by prayer so like he understood the importance of not being with someone 
but praying for them, yeah. for them to be encouraged, to for them to be knit together, to reach a full assurance of things. And the key ingredient to doing all of that mm-hmm. is this word where he ends the verse where it says, in love. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. Their relationship had to be one of love. One that he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 16, verse 14. You know, and John also talks about love, right? We in First Peter 4 8, we learn that love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. You know, um, too many believers today and now find that families and friends have turned against them during their time of faith. Mm-hmm. How how difficult could it be? To know that your your family turns against you because of your faith. Oh, dude. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Is that the kind of suffering you willing to go through the gospel, though? And that's and that goes back to our, as we're ending this podcast, it goes back to the beginning of this. How much are you willing to suffer for the gospel? Is is even being rejected for by your family something that you're going that you are willing to go to? I mean, uh, I think I have shared these stories before. Uh, probably people have heard this before. I know you'd have. You know, Laura and I went to Morocco and we did preach the gospel there while we were there. And this one kid came to to Christ, and uh, and the missionary there had to host him at his house because his family completely rejected him. That night he couldn't go home. He's like, I can't go home. And so the missionary took him, and then eventually that missionary and the whole uh, people that was in Morocco was kicked out uh, of Morocco. Um, because that's a close nation. So, but uh, you know, there is a there is a high price to pay to pay for people around the world for becoming a follower of Jesus. And here in the U.S., what is what is the kind of persecution we get? <laughs> it's maybe uh, criticized, criticized for the positions we take on regarding yeah. uh, life or regarding sexuality or regarding whatever you know, uh, which is nothing compared to losing your life or yeah. uh, losing your whole family or livelihood. Yeah, and you know that's why I love when Paul says in other places to 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 to, to, li- to die is to live as Christ, to die is exactly. gain. Mm-hmm. You know, um you know because you know a lot of times we, we don't want to go through difficult I don't like difficult times. Do you like difficult times? Nobody likes difficult I, times. I I hate it man. I, man. I, I don't want to go through difficult times. I want it easy. But that's not what we're promised. No. You know, you know what Jesus said, in this world you will have what? Trouble. No, he didn't say that. He said you will have it easy. Oh, no. <laughs> well, he's he's going to tell you no, he said you, troubles, you, know? you will have trouble, but you know. I often talking with people who are going through a difficult time, who is questioning God, right? Um, I, I, I usually say this statement, which was I read in a book, uh, t- uh, Tim Keller's book, uh, Walk with God Through Pain and Suffering. He makes a point like, if, if Jesus, the great one, who la- lived a perfect life, suffered the way he did, how ought we to expect any less? Mm. I'm not saying we should go, but... That's powerful. Why would we expect any less than what Jesus went through? And Jesus went through a lot. Think about deception. Friend betraying him. Think about people not believing him, knowing who he was, people making fun of him. Think about, don't go to the cross only. Go through even his mom, like, uh, boy, you got to get your act straight here. Or, uh, you know, there was a passage in the gospel where uh, Jesus' brothers came to rebuke him, right? Yeah. His family came to... So, so he, like, he says, he's crazy. He's yes. Yes. Paraphrasing, so, of course. Well, sure. <laughs> well, no, they did say that he's out of his mind. Yeah. So, so like, think about all of those things, right? And and then the, how tired he was uh, doing good for people and still being uh, uh, rejected by people, right? Rejected by people he came to save. And then he take it to the cross and all that he endured for that, you know? Um, even, so... To go through all of that, Jesus went through all of that, and he did nothing wrong. Mm, nothing. How are we expect to have not some things go bad for us because we are guilty of it, right? So, I do think we have to. I do think we have to expect few difficulties in life and yeah. be okay with it, and trust God that He will guide us through those difficult times. 
Yeah, and I think uh, you know Paul. Paul goes on and says that let no one delude you with persuasive argument. You know, uh, you know, two things. People want to delude the truth. Yeah. They want to, um, you know, the, and especially when they're confronted with truth. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> because we don't, we don't like to face the truth. <laughs> well, and, and what I love that, but I need to add to this. Oh, the word delude is to cleverly do that, yes. to cleverly deceive someone. So you're, you're right. People delude the truth and they do that with clever. I don't know if that's good English or not. No, you didn't. You said, I think you mean that they do it very incognito. Like, oh, very, incognito. they're very smart how they go about it. That's what I'm trying to say. They're very smart about how they loot things. They're very smart. How change, they change one word here. Yeah, one word there. Oh, oh, that's no. That's the con change a little concept here, a little concept there. There you go. You got a whole new ingredient. <laughs> you know, uh, like uh, you know, if you know how to make a to bake a cake. And uh, someone gives you, you ate the cake, like, well, this is a perfect cake, this is the kind of cake I want, can you give me the ingredients? And then the person gives you the ingredients, the recipe and for they, it. And they offset and, one thing. And then you're like, <laughs> then he, that person changed two things and now it doesn't taste the same. That's exactly how they do this. That's yeah. exactly how they look the truth. Yeah, and you have to look at the literary writing here. Paul, Paul already talks about in, verse, in the first chapter mm -hmm. what the truth is. Sure. He gives them that. He mm -hmm. gives them the truth. So now he's saying... Hey, you know the truth. Let no one delude you. Mm -hmm. You know, let no one cleverly come by and try to sneak one past you. You yes, know, exactly. that's why he talked about in verse 29. We're talking about being mature in Christ, right? Yes. We've got to be growing because if you're not growing, you're susceptible to being deluded. Yes. Yes. And then he says plausible, plausible arguments there. Um, they're not only delude, like cleverly. They come up with this great persuasive persuasive speech, like a salesman. Well, nothing against salesmen, <laughs> but uh, it's just a metaphor. Like, well, maybe salesmen are good. They know what they do and they know how to sell this stuff. You by the day, the end of the day, it's like a good commercial on TV. Let's let's take the salesman out of the occasion, like a good commercial on TV who persuasively create a speech that touches your emotion, that touches your intellect, that makes you go back to what we begin this, I deserve this. Well, I like, I like this, uh, this example uh, I was reading here. Like, take, for example, the first math problem you ever learned. <clears throat> one plus one is what? Two. Two plus two is four. What if I spend the next half an hour Showing you how, try to teach you that two plus two is three. Well, you can't. That you can't, exist. right? It doesn't yeah. exist. So, would you believe me? No. no. If I said, it doesn't matter how many arguments I make, how many plausible arguments I make or I throw at you, you know the truth because you know the truth and you will see right through it, right through it, right through the deception. See, I can try to persuade you until I'm blue in the face, but you won't fall for it. But get a preschooler. <laughs> get get a little kid. Well, start. You're about oh, to yeah. have a baby. You're about to, <laughs> to pop a baby. Start uh, uh, teaching little voodoo right now when he's born that two plus two equals three. He's immature. You may believe <clears throat> it. He will believe it because that is telling him two plus two is three. And then when the truth is taught to them, he'll be like, "Whoa, excuse me, that's not true. That's uh, no, it's two, three. By two that, plus two is three. Yeah, yeah because he's immature." As he grows in maturity, as he continues his learning math and, and the question, he'll know the truth and he'll be like, oh, I was taught wrong all my life. That's why you have to go and try to figure out the truth too as yeah. well yourself. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, I think, and I think that's what we're trying to help people at Delaware State Church pursue here, the truth. You can't know mature in Jesus Christ if you do not grow in knowing the truth of who he is, Right. A lot of us, and I, maybe uh, here's a punch, a lot of us are lazy Christian. We just want to hear what the pastor has to say, and we're fine with that. What if we change our attitudes to like, you know what? I'm all for what the pastor has to say, but I need to pursue God's word, and I need to find the truth to myself, and I need to spend some time in God's word. Man, there's that. so much power in seeking out God on your own. Oh, yes. Because you fall so much more deeper, and, I, and I'll say this, in love with it. And the fact that what he has for you, and that's what Paul, this whole time, 
he's writing, he's saying this entire passage, he's encouraged the Colossians to remain firm, to remain steadfast, mm-hmm. to hold on to their faith, to hold on to Christ without wavering. And that requires this word no one likes to hear. I don't like to hear it. Mm-hmm. Discipline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. You know, you got to be disciplined. And you were talking about, we were just talking about going on your own journey and learning Christ. How do you encounter God? You read His Word daily. You got to be disciplined to learn and to, to, to learn in that way. And, and discipline, it is not detached from another word that we hate, which is the word obedience. Mm. Discipline and obedience comes together. I mean, it, it, you have to heed to what has been said and spoken. And which is, I think, how he, what he's trying to get to this last verse uh, as we close up. When he says, For though I'm absent in the body, because he's never seen his people, I am with you in the spirit, which was what we were talking about. He's inter- interceding for them, praying for them, teaching them through the letter, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. The word good order there, uh, it is the same word he uses in 1 Corinthians that says, but all things should be done decently and in order. So is so this good order has to do with discipline and obedience. Hmm. The firmness of your faith. So uh, rejoicing to see your, your, you growing in your faith, this good order, this discipline and obedience that must take place for your faith to be firm, in Christ. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we hammered on a lot of stuff here on these verses, talking through a few things and going down a few trails. Hopefully, you know, uh, people are encouraged from mm-hmm. this. You know, the, the one, one thing I just want to, I just want to talk about again, this before I, my last bit I would add is like, you know, Paul talks about this love idea, right? Let love be an encouragement because there's too many ways to discourage people. Ooh. And uh, we have to, we have to, we have to find ways to encourage. And the way you encourage people is by loving them. And Ooh. you love people in different ways. You love oh. them through praying for them, which love them through action, affirmation. But we just gotta love each other. Even a warning can be is a loving thing. You know, it's not a discouragement. It's you know, if someone's gonna cross the road and a, and, a, and a car is coming, you should warn him. Hey, don't cross right now. Uh, it is a law. It's a love action. But most of us are not taking steps towards each other uh, in a loving way that brings encouragement. Uh, we are most likely uh, just criticizing yeah. people and pull, pushing them down even more, even though they're suffering in difficult moments in life, instead of encouraging people um, yeah. through love. And, and, and the reason why Paul's talking about is because the gospel is worth the suffering, right? Yeah. And, and James 2.5 tells us, he says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in the faith mm-hmm. and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love, love him? Okay, I think we should stop there. Good job. Thank, well, thank you. you guys for joining us on this episode. As we come